So I'd like to welcome you this morning, all you church members, but also to the uh, community out there on the internet. This is an amazing time. I think God is leading in this COVID crisis. Um, it's forced us to go into the world using the internet. And um, it's interesting, I was told that last week the sermon was uh, watched by over 5,000 people, which is amazing. If we were just expecting people to come to church here today, we'd only have maybe 80 or so. So it's amazing how God can use a crisis to change the world. Um, before we go into the sermon this, today, I would like to just encourage you, if you have any prayers or prayer requests, to feel free to contact us, and uh, we would be blessed to pray for you and, and uh, share your needs with, with the Lord. I'd like to start right now with a word of prayer. We can all bow our heads. Father, we just thank you that you are all-powerful and that you indeed are the one who controls this world and in fact, at this time, this crisis as well. I just pray that everyone who is listening here now, that the Holy Spirit would open their hearts to his leading, that their hearts would be open to the message. And particularly, I pray that you would guide my words and my thoughts as I share the message today, that they may be in tune with your words and your thoughts. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been doing a seven-part series here in our church in Williams Lake. Um, I forgot to mention that my name is Glenn Gill. I'm one of the elders here. I'm not one of the pastors, so bear with me today. But uh, as I said, we, were, we are doing a series of, uh, a seven-part series looking at the words of Christ on the cross. And um, we're today on the sixth part of this series, so we're almost near the end. Uh, today we'll be looking at his words, it is finished. But I'd like to just recap the previous five sayings that Christ has been recorded as saying on the cross um, just to catch you up, get you up to speed here today. First of all, the first words of, that Christ spoke were the, that of forgiveness. And we see that, we, we find that in Luke 23, verse 34, when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Even though we were not there on the cross, or at the cross, I should say, when Christ was crucified, 
We didn't put the nails in his hands and his feet. Each one of us played a part in crucifying Christ. But Jesus on the cross forgave all of humanity, every one of us that put him there. But have we all accepted that forgiveness? The second words that Jesus spoke on the cross were that of salvation. Just a few verses on in Luke 23, we see the two thieves talking, and, uh, and one thief asked Jesus to be remembered when he comes into his kingdom. And Christ, right there on the cross, promised him that he would be with him in paradise. The other thief, unfortunately, denied Jesus. And like the two thieves, we each have a choice. There's no middle ground. We have a choice either to believe in the Lord and what he did for us and be with him in paradise, or we have the choice to turn away from Christ and be forever separated by eternal death. What choice have you made? The third words that Jesus spoke were that of caring, and we find that in John 19, verses 25 to 27. Even while being tortured to death, Jesus is concerned about his mother's welfare, and he commits her care to his cousin John. Christ on the cross wasn't thinking about himself, but he was caring and thinking about the welfare of others including you and me. Fourth, we find the words recorded in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. Words of anguish, where Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The sinless one allowed our sins, my sins, to so engulf him that they, that, that is our sins, severed the relationship that he had had from the beginning of time with his father. Christ allowed himself to experience the curse of death so that we could be with God eternally and never experience eternal separation or death from God. What amazing grace that is. The fifth words that Jesus spoke were that of suffering. In John 19, Verses 28 and 29, Jesus said, I thirst. Now, not only was Christ suffering immense thirst and dehydration and physical uh, pain on the cross, but even more so, he was thirsting after his Father and to do his Father's will. Do we have that thirst to be connected with God, to do only God's will, to be like Jesus? Before I go any further, I want to give credit for portions of this talk to Dennis Smith, who wrote 40 Days, Prayers and Devotions Reflecting the Cross of Christ, uh, printed in 2015, and also to Sung Kwan, who I heard at the uh, British Columbia 2018 Hope Camp Meeting talk about the seven sayings of Christ. So today we're going to look at the sixth thing that Jesus is recorded as saying as he hung on the cross. And it's apropos that this weekend is the Easter weekend. This is Passover weekend. This is the only Christian holiday that we actually can date on a calendar because we know when Passover occurred. And Jesus was a Passover lamb on the cross 2,000 years ago. So the sixth saying we find in the Gospel of John, chapter 19, 
verse 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. When Christ spoke the words, It is finished, as he struggled for his last breath on the cross there, what did those witnessing his crucifixion think he was talking about? Imagine for a moment, gathered around the cross, at the foot of the cross, there's a rabble of people. There's the priests and the Jewish church leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, who had actually arranged for his death. There was also the Roman soldiers who performed the, the crucifixion. But also we're told that Jesus' mother Mary and some of the other women followers of Jesus were there. And we're told that the only disciple that was there at the foot of the cross as Jesus was being crucified was John. And also there was a motley crew, a motley crowd of gawkers. What did they think Jesus meant when he said, it is finished? Undoubtedly, the obvious meeting that they were thinking about was that Jesus was saying, my life is over. I'm about to die. This is the end. It's finished. And as Satan and his dark angels, and indeed all of heaven, watched the killing of the Son of God, there must have been mixed emotions and feelings. Undoubtedly, Satan and his angels must have rejoiced at the apparent victory of evil over good, while the heavenly angels must have been weeping in sorrow. How could the killing of Jesus have been in God's plan? Had all that Jesus came to do on earth been in vain? For the heavenly host, this was appearing to be anything but victory. But as we all know, this cry of it is finished was not a cry of defeat, but a cry of victory. On the third day after Christ's death, he conquered death and rose to life again, victorious over sin and death. Hallelujah. Now I want to tell you another story, another story of resurrection. This occurred a number of years ago when I was the obstetrician on call at the uh, maternity tertiary care hospital on the other side of Canada. And one day a 40-year-old woman came in with abdominal pains and we actually discovered that she was pregnant. And she was surprised and immensely delighted because she had discovered she was pregnant. And she and her child, her husband, sorry, had been childless and infertile. And um, so her finding out that she was pregnant was an amazing answer to prayer. We did an ultrasound and the baby was estimated to be about 22 weeks gestation. Now, a couple things you should know. First of all, that the accuracy of an ultrasound decreases the further you get along in, in a pregnancy. And around 22 weeks, the accuracy would be plus or minus two weeks. So this baby could have been anywhere from maybe 20 weeks gestation to 24 weeks gestation. The other thing you need to know is that the limit of viability, in other words, the earliest age at which a baby could survive at that time was about 24 weeks, maybe 23 weeks. And this baby was earlier than that. Unfortunately, this couple's delight turned into sorrow. She ended up having 
uh, hemorrhage, and uh, that was due to a placental abruption, so the placenta was coming away prematurely and she went into preterm labor. Uh, subsequently, she delivered this little, very premature, non-viable baby boy, and there were no signs of life. And at the delivery, I broke this terrible news to her and her husband as the nurse took the baby and laid it on the incubator, the stillborn baby, and I continued to attend to um, the patient and her uh, placental delivery and hemorrhage and so forth. It was so sad because their delight at finding out that she was pregnant after all these years of infertility was suddenly dashed uh, moments later in tears of sorrow. And we were all shaken and sad at the delivery. This, is, this must have been a little bit like what the angels were feeling when they witnessed the joy of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem and a mere 30 plus years later saw him dying tragically on the cross. But this wasn't the end of the story. This wasn't the end of either story. As I was suturing up the woman and uh, tending to her, one of the nurses noticed that the baby was making some movement, <laughs> some gasping efforts. And so we called the neonatal intensive care team and they rushed over. Um, we hadn't called them previously because the baby was felt to be too, too premature to survive. And they resuscitated the baby, they intubated the baby, and the baby amazingly survived. Um, the little boy spent about two months in the NICU and eventually went home with his parents. So God here had taken what appeared to be a tragedy and made it a victory. Similarly, Christ's death on the cross initially looked like tragedy but became victory and truly was a miracle. It is finished, was definitely a cry of victory, not defeat. The full price of our redemption was paid by Christ on the cross. The veil of the temple was torn in two. No more separation of man from God, no more sacrifices required. There was an earthquake, the rocks split. We were told there was great darkness over the land for three hours. The Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah were filled, fulfilled in Christ on the cross. The penalty for our sin, for yours and my sin, was paid once and for all for everyone. Atonement was now complete. Darkness was ended. Satan and evil were defeated. The suffering that Satan had inspired Judas, the priests, Pilate, the Roman soldiers, and the people to inflict on Jesus actually served to fulfill God's purpose. In John chapter 17, verse 4, Jesus said, I have glorified you, that is, I have glorified the Father on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. On the cross, it was finished. Why did Jesus have to die on the cross? In Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus says, He came to seek and to save that which was lost. We are the ones who were lost. It's interesting, when he said he came to save and seek the lost, he said those who were lost or was lost. This is past tense. We don't have to be lost anymore. The second reason Jesus came to die on the cross 
we see um, explained in 1 Timothy 1.15, which is to save sinners. We all have sinned. We all need to be saved. And thirdly, in Galatians 1.4, it says that Jesus came to deliver us from this present evil age. In other words, to redeem us. And finally, in John 1, verse 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 5, I'm sorry, he says to take away our sins, to purify us, to make us righteous. This is the only way which we could and would be allowed into God's presence for eternity is by our sins being taken away, by us being made righteous. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul says that he desires to be found in him that is in Christ, not having my own righteousness, from which, which is from the law, but that which is from faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. In effect, Jesus came into the world to show us what perfect love is and to show us his character, God, that is God's character, and to make us righteous. In other words, make us right with God. Make us perfect in God's sight because God sees only Jesus when he sees us. God is love. He doesn't just show love. God is love. Now, in John 19, the Greek word that is translated finished is telio. And telio can be translated to end, to complete or execute, to conclude, to discharge as in discharging a debt or paying a debt, to accomplish, to fill up, to pay, to expire, to perform, or to finish. The work of Christ on the cross provided everything we need to be saved. And God the Father accepted the work of atonement Christ provided for us. Atonement is an interesting word. If you separate it, it means at one meant. In other words, we can now be one with God. It is finished was also a declaration that Satan's power was broken and his end is sure. Colossians 1.13 says this, He, that is Jesus, has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And in Romans 6.23, that famous verse that says, The wages of sin is death. The wages, that is the payment, the result, the final outcome of sin is death. But, the verse doesn't end there. It says, but, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's gift is free. Gifts are always free, otherwise they're not a gift. God's gift is the opposite of what we deserve, that is death. God's gift is eternal life for each of us forever, if we choose to accept that. Every one of us can have this eternal life. It has been accomplished. We just need to accept the gift. Now, our natural response is to say, but this, this is all too simple. There must be something I can do to earn this gift. The fact is there's nothing that you or I can do to earn life. It has all been done by Jesus. It is finished. Everything was accomplished on the cross by Jesus. Hopelessness is finished. Eternal death, annihilation forever, 
is finished. Sadness is finished. Evil is finished. Pain is finished. Suffering is finished. Depression is finished. Sacrifices are finished. Longing and separation are finished. Insecurity is finished. Poverty is finished. Injustice is finished. It is all finished in Christ. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This is great news for us. Now the story of the couple that I was telling you about and their miracle baby, unfortunately was not over. A few years later, I met the woman again who had had the premature baby boy and I asked her how he was doing. I expected a positive answer that he was growing and doing well, but instead she told me that he had died when he was about two years old from respiratory complications of his prematurity. This was heartbreaking to hear. I, I couldn't believe it. But this is the reality of this world. Of We're surrounded by suffering and death. This world continues to be afflicted by sin. And today each one of us are suffering in some way. This world, in spite of Christ's victory, is still full of evil, sin, pain, fear, death, with the present coronavirus crisis, this is more evident than ever. People are afraid. People are dying. Why, if all was finished by Jesus 2,000 years ago on the cross, does suffering continue? Many do not believe in God because, they argue, if there really was a God of love, he would not allow all this suffering and pain to continue. The reality is, God is suffering too. As he sees us suffering, he wants not one of us, his children, to die. He came into this world not to condemn it, but to save it. You know, God's promises in the Old Testament regarding the Messiah were all accomplished in Jesus on the cross. But is not the end yet. We are not at the end yet. At the end, when Christ comes to this planet a second time, and we know from the signs that this time is coming nearer and nearer. All evil and pain and suffering and death, we are promised, will be banished forever. In Revelation 21, John is given a glimpse of what life will be like when Jesus returns and God destroys Satan and death once and for all and creates a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21, verses 4 and 5. Uh, John says this, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor, cr nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne, that is God, said, Behold, I make all things new. You know, it is actually because of God's love for each one of us fallen sinful persons on earth that he hasn't returned yet. He's giving each one of us time to make a decision to accept or reject Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. He wants to make you and me new. Now Christ may not come until next year or maybe in 10 years or maybe even 100 years, but for each of us, and I don't say this to frighten you, but for each of us, we only have the few years of our life here on this earth to decide whether or not to 
accept or reject Jesus. I'm almost 60. I might die today of a heart attack, or I might catch the coronavirus and be one of those people that does not make it off the ventilator next week, or I might live to 101 like my grandfather. But sooner or later, you and I will be finished with this life on earth. And then it will be too late for us to make a decision if we haven't already done so. Now, the story of the woman with the miracle boy who initially survived his premature death only to die a couple years later is not over. When I saw her and she told me that her son had died, I told her that I was sorry for her loss and I didn't know what to say. And what she said to me was truly amazing. She said, don't be sorry. It was such a privilege, it was such a gift from God for me and my husband to have our little son for a couple of years, to have and to hold and to raise and to, to love him. He was a blessing to us. And she said, and someday we will be all united again. Wow, that is amazing faith. When it is finished, will you have put your faith in Jesus and be able to share his victory over death? Will you be one of those that will be with him forever? What an amazing time of joy and hope and love that will be when we are all with God and God is with us in this new heaven and new earth. My prayer, as is Jesus' prayer, is that you will share in this amazing gift of Christ's victory over death on the cross. It is finished. I want to just close in prayer. And again, if you have any prayers, requests, please, please contact us and we will be happy to pray for you and, uh, and bring your needs to, to the Lord. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for the gift of forgiveness granted to each of us because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Thank you for the gift of eternal life with you because our sin was paid for Jesus, by Jesus, I should say, and you see it no more. Thank you that you have promised to make us new in Jesus. And all glory, honor, and praise be to you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So sweet.